Welcome to the B&A Talks podcast um, with B&A Church in Bristol. I'm Wayne. I'm one of the team of B&A. Um, this podcast series is taking you through the material that we will be looking at at Sundays in our gatherings at B&A Church. This term, this is spring 2022, in case you're wondering, we're looking at the Book of Mark. Uh, and each week um, I'm going to read and just talk through um, a chapter from Mark. So hopefully that will build on whatever it was we were talking on the Sunday and, and help you get further into the gospel and learning more about it. Just a quick thing to say about Mark. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Mark, though, is the oldest of the Gospels, even though he comes second in the list of the Gospels. He's the shortest and he's the snappiest. And it's quite easy to kind of fall into a mistake to think, you know, well, Matthew has um, ordered his material very carefully for his Jewish audience. Uh, Luke has ordered his material as he tells us as he begins his Gospel for his um uh, friend uh, Theophilus and uh, and to to teach something about um, the kingdom and Jesus' mission to 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 Gentiles to the poor and to outcasts and John has got a very kind of spiritual um, to, you know way of writing his gospel whereas Mark just basically is just firing through and telling the story kind of like a really excited kid is kind of how it reads in the original Greek but that's actually to do Mark a disservice Mark like any good writer has ordered his material in such a way that we can learn from that as we work our way through so each time we come through a chapter we're going to be asking ourselves you know what's the big thing that hangs it all together so Mark chapter 1. I want you to think about uh, when something new happens and how exciting that is and how you know that everything's changed. For me, as I read through Mark and I looked at the different aspects of chapter 1, it struck me that actually that is what Mark wants us to see, is that something new has begun. Something new has begun. So as we dive in, let's start verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 to 7 first. So the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. So Mark begins his gospel locating uh, the story of Jesus in the story of um, God and the Jewish people. So quoting the prophet of Isaiah, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Locating the story of Jesus in the expectation and the yearnings of the people of Jesus's day. So the Jewish people under the rule of Rome, looking forward to a Messiah coming, looking forward to being free from the yoke of the Roman Empire. So it's all located in that. And here comes John and he preaches this message um, of repentance. And so people come out, they confess their sins, they're baptised in the Jordan River. So the word baptised means to be, to, be, um, to be completely plunged under, to be kind of you know, overwhelmed by something. So they go right under uh, the waters of the Jordan River and come back up as a sign of wanting to live differently. But John's message, and this is the key bit, I think, for us from the first seven verses, is this. After me comes one more powerful than I 
the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So that's John saying, I'm not even worthy to be a servant of this person. I baptise you with water, that's something outward, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And so actually John is saying something new is coming and that is going to be, um, you are going to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, the one of the persons of Trinity, God himself. Um, and that goes right back, you know, if we think about the prophecies in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. So the people are longing for um, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Messiah and something new. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came on people for a particular time and for a particular purpose. This is something new, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, a, a, a change of identity, a change of heart, something new. So that's how Mark begins those first seven verses. John is saying something new is coming, someone new is coming and setting us up for everything will change. Verse nine, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came down from heaven. You are my son with whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Wow, there is so much in those four short verses. So at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Just a massive reminder that, that in the incarnation, you know, when John in his gospel says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, or as Eugene Peterson translates it, um, God moved into the neighbourhood. Actually, Jesus, uh, the second person of the Trinity, has become a man, the person Jesus. Um, from a place, Nazareth in Galilee, we can locate him you know, into a, a particular town in a particular place at a particular time. Um, God has put on flesh and bones and become one of us. Um, he is not removed. He is not distant. Um, it, the incarnation is the most amazing concept. Um, we can't get our head around it, but God has become one of us. And just in that one sentence, Nazareth in Galilee, Jesus is located in a place and in a time. He was baptised by John. So Jesus, um, of course, that's, uh, identifies himself fully with us. He goes through, even though we know, hope, well, hopefully if you listen to this, you do. If you don't, you're about to learn this. Jesus, um, the New Testament tells us, wasn't under the curse of sin in the same we were. He did not sin like we did. So he did not have to um, be baptised um, and repent of any sins. And yet he chose to because he is choosing to fully identify himself with you and me. That's why he went through that baptism to say, I am, you know, I am with you, Emmanuel, God with us, God as one of us. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Again, it's an Old Testament promise. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And this is what is happening, is God has rent the heavens and has come down uh, in the person of Jesus and in the spirit descending on, on him like a dove. And then a voice comes from heaven, you are my son with whom I love, with you I am well pleased. That is a massively famous sentence, but it just reminds us that actually God's favour and his love just comes. Uh, we don't earn God's love, we don't earn God's favour. Uh, God is love and he loves us. And so before the son has done anything, the father declares his love and his well-pleasedness, if that's the right term over him.
And actually, for those of us who are listening to me now, we know that we are in Christ and we have become Christians. Those are words over us. You are my child with whom you I love and with you I am well pleased. Do you know that that's what God thinks of you? So Jesus, God has become one of us. He has chosen to identify himself fully in baptism. Uh, the heavens have been rent and the spirit has descended like a dove. And then Mark tells us, he, he deals with this really shortly in two verses, but the spirit sent him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Um, straight away, the new that has come, Mark wants us to see, is God himself has moved into the neighborhood. God himself is choosing to identify with us. The spirit has descended. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. So that kind of reminds us of the, the story of the people of Israel in the Exodus, but is tempted. And Jesus, who Paul calls the second Adam, will not fail where the first Adam failed. Where Adam and Eve were tempted and failed, Jesus uh, faces the temptation and does not give in. Mark wants us to know something new is happening. That something new is the person of Jesus coming to us, coming to us as one of us um, and, and succeeding where we fail. Let's read on from verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Just a real reminder that if you put yourself uh, to, to working for the kingdom and for the Lord, you are putting yourself at, at odds with culture. Um, we sometimes don't like to hear that, but it's good to remind ourselves. You know, John was put into prison. Um, the no it's normal in the world uh, of the church across the whole of history to be persecuted. It's, it's not normal not to be persecuted. So John's been put into prison. There's a cheery thought for you. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God. The time has come. That's like, wow, now. So this is Mark's new thing. The time has come. It has happened. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's where God is king. Um, that is the kingdom of God that has come. Um, one theologian talks about it as the, the spirit of God having coming from, come, come from the eschaton, come from the end. So the, the rule and reign of God that we are all looking forward to when Jesus comes back, that rule of reign of God has come to us now. Um, so that place where um, it is promised there will be no more tears. Um, God says, I'll wipe every tear from every eye that, um, and, and we will live with him. That kingdom that is coming has come, has come near. The Greek there literally means it's fallen into step with us, is, is right here. We don't have to go looking for it. It's, it's just next to us. So, so the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So to repent, the Greek word there, metanoia, means to turn around. So it implies you've been going the wrong way, turn around and go the right way and believe the good news. And that's active. Belief is, you know, it's not passive, it's active. It's choosing to say, yes, I'm going to believe that the kingdom is here. I'm going to look out for it and I'm going to live for it. At Sunday in the all age bit of church, we, we honed in on those verses. And what we said uh, is it's a bit like uh, replica football kits. Uh, in our household, we love Liverpool and we love Bristol Rovers and we have a range of replica football kits. And um, usually they're last seasons because they are even older than that because they're cheaper to buy than this season's. But the kingdom of God that's drawn near is the kingdom that is coming. So in the world of replica football kits, it's the equivalent of wearing next season's kit before anybody else has got their hands on it. Imagine that. What kit are you wearing? Oh, this is the one they're going to wear next year. And when we say yes to Jesus and when we're drawn into the family of God and into the church, um, we begin to live the life that is to come. So we effectively are like wearing next season's kit. 
we should look different. And people go, well, what, why are you like that? And we go, well, we are living the life that is to come. Um, and what's amazing about that, it is the diff this is where the replica football kit analogy breaks down, is we're not pretending that we're playing for the team. We are actually playing for the team. God says, do you want to live the life that is to come? And then do you want to play for my team? Do you want to um, get involved in what the kingdom is doing? And so repenting and believing the good news is a kind of an invitation, I thought, about being like a daily choice to say, each day, God, I'm going to turn to face you. I'm going to turn to face the kingdom that is to coming. And I'm going to seek my life and my strength from that and from you. And then I'm going to live it out. So repenting and believing the good news is active and continuous. And it's a daily choice to say, I choose to turn away from any other football kit I may, may wish to wear and choose to put on the kingdom of God, choose to live out the kingdom that is to come uh, in faith and choose to make that who I am um, for today. So the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Which football kit do you wear? Uh, do I wear the life that is to come? And every day am I beginning going, God, I choose to receive this life that is to come. I choose to receive you, to walk closely with you and then to believe, to have faith and that this is the case. So John says something new is happening. That something new is Jesus. Uh, Jesus who uh, is fully one of us um, and is going to succeed where we fail. And then Jesus announces that that good news, that new is for each and every one of us. The kingdom has come near, repent and believe the good news. So this something new is something for each and every one of us. Uh, and that's how it kind of then works out in the rest of the chapter. So reading from verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishers and men. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. God invites Abraham to follow him. He sets up the people of Israel to be a light to the nations to reveal what life with God looks like. And Jesus, in calling the disciples, and we'll come on to you know, 12 later on, is, is, is reconstituting that, as it were, saying building a new people, and the, the people of God who will reveal the ways of God to the world. And the two things that were simply called to do were to follow Jesus and to fish for people, to share the good news. So the invitation that we have received, we then bring to others. And so that's that sense that this, this new is for us and for everybody else as well. And we have a role to play in that. It's your number one job description. I wonder if somebody said to you, you know, what do you do? What would you say? You might say your job, or you might say I'm a parent or a grandparent, or I'm a, I'm a student or whatever it might be. But actually the number one job of anybody who follows Jesus is to fish for people. Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, Jesus says at the Great Commission. That is our number one task. Everything else we do falls under that. Um, so whether I'm uh, a professional footballer or an accountant or a teacher or I'm retired, I still have a first line of my job description, fishing for people, but filling, but filling, but following Jesus, so doing it with him. 
So that's the first thing that this newness looks like is a calling of a new people who themselves are calling other people. Secondly, from verse 21, they went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So the newness, the newness of what has come is seen in that actually as Jesus teaches, there is an authority in the teaching that he brings. He's teaching from the, the Torah, from the Jewish text, so showing that there's consistency, um, even though this is new. So this is, this is you know, God hasn't given up uh, on what went before. When we read the Old Testament, we see Jesus in it again and again and again. But Jesus speaks with an authority that the teachers of the law didn't have. There's something new about this that makes people listen. Um, thinking about, there's a famous um, bit in John where Jesus starts talking about, unless you eat my body, uh, and it says that loads of people wander off, and Jesus turns around and looks at the disciples and go, are you still here? And Peter responds and says, well, where else can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And uh, one guy who I love says, it's not that Peter says, I understand, Jesus, what you were saying, but what I do know is that when you speak, something happens in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit, and I come alive. And I need to be there. Jesus brings the words of eternal life. The one who is the word brings the words of eternal life. And we come alive when we hear them. And then linked to that, he has authority. Uh, the, the impure spirits, the demons, they recognize who he is. But he has authority over them and he can cast them out. And so this um, crowd in the synagogue see this new teaching and then see this power that comes with this new teaching and recognize something new. Um, it's useful for us to remind, remember at this point that, you know, in, in terms of God's never silent, but actually in terms of scriptures, God has been silent for hundreds of years. Um, this will come as a, like a jolt out of the blue to these people. Something is happening. So... Um, we see that uh, in the church still today, that the church speaks God's words with authority when we teach scriptures, but also uh, when we pray, stuff happens. And those together, people see. Do you, do I, do you have confidence in God's words? Do we pray and do we speak out into situations where there is opposition, where there is the demonic with authority, expecting God to work? People need to see um, the new kit in action, as it were. They need to see the life of the kingdom as well as hearing about it. And that's coming back to, so repent and believe the good news. Turn to face him, receive him, walk with him, and then walk out in the authority and the power he gives us. Let's read on from verse 29. So as soon as they left the synagogue, with Mark, everything's happening very quickly. They went to Capernaum. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. It's just, you know, it's normal. Healing is normal. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who, who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. 
come on to the uh, Mark's secret uh, later. Um, people who know they need God are hungry for him. The sick, uh, the demon-possessed, the downtrodden, the poor. People who know they need God are hungry for him. The lie that um, we probably believe in the West is that, you know, the church is running down, the decline is normal. But actually there are so many people who know that they need God. Um, and what we as the church are invited to do is to bring the kingdom of God into those places. Um, to, to live normally supernatural lives so that people can see what they need. And people will respond. Later on in this um, gospel, Jesus will tell us that the workers are few, but that the harvest is plentiful. So actually you see that Jesus has spoken with authority. He's um, cast out a demon and straight away everybody who knows they need this are coming to find him. And so this other thing about this news. So this news, uh, it's rooted in Jesus. Um, it's good news for all of us. We are invited to join in and to work with him and for it. Um, it brings healing and it brings authority um, and it is deeply attractive. It is deeply attractive. Reading on, verse 35. From early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Always a good reminder. Do I pray enough? Uh, you know, in terms of, um, it's not, I don't pray to get stuff, but actually I pray to be with God. And Jesus went off to be with his heavenly father, cast, um, carving out time for that. And, and just as we start another new year, it's just a really good reminder that actually time with God is never, ever time wasted. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed everyone is looking for you that's again it's it's attractive everybody wants him Jesus replied let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also that is why I have come remember it's good news for everybody so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons um, go to all nations make disciples of all nations this is for everybody a man with leprosy, verse 40, came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I think the indignancy there is like, actually, of course he's willing. Um, of course he's willing. Um, God is good. God is love. Uh, and God is in the business of healing and restoration, so much so that he becomes one of us to take our place in sin and death. Um, the amazing thing, as somebody said about um, the difference, leprosy is really uh, interesting. So in the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, uh, you became unclean, and then you had to kind of take yourself away from everybody, and you um, would have to be judged by the priest after X amount of time to see whether or not you had caught leprosy, to whether or not you could be declared clean. Um, and if you caught leprosy, you would then become unclean pretty much forever. Uh, in the New Testament, starting with Jesus and then carrying on with us, the church, um, if we touch a leper, if Jesus touched a leper, the leper becomes clean. The leper becomes clean. So, so the church mediates uh, the healing and the, and the cleansing uh, of, of Jesus. Old Testament, touch a leper, you become unclean. New Testament, touch a leper, they become clean. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, 
But go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Again, you're seeing a bit of consistency um, with the history of the Jewish people and their um, faith and how they worked it out. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Um, people are hungry um, for God. People are hungry for the life that God brings and the healing that he brings. They just don't know. Mark, that's the end of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 sets up at a pace that something new is happening. Begins with John the Baptist saying something new is coming and it is all, and, and he will baptise you. It's, it's going to change you. He goes on to say that something new is someone new, Jesus. God himself come to us as one of us, fully identifying with us and succeeding with regards to temptation where we would fail. That something new is good news for each and every one of us. It's the kingdom of God that has come near, the rule and reign of God, and it is something that we are invited into, repent and believe the good news. That something new is about following Jesus and then going with him to invite other people to discover the kingdom of God. So it is, it is, for, it is an invitation to us, but it is also kind of an invitation to us to kind of join in. That's something new has authority, words that bring life um, and power over sickness and healing um, and the demonic. That's something new is attractive. Many people, when they see the kingdom of God at work, are drawn to it and want what it brings. That something new is rooted in a restored relationship with God. So as Jesus was with his father, we have been restored to and invited into a relationship with God that looks like that as well. It's for everyone, as I said, and that something new changes the dynamic. Um, where once a leper would spread their uncleanliness, the something new now brings healing and cleansing to others. This, friends, is what we have been invited into. Thousands of years later, we take our place in the something new in the kingdom of God, in following Jesus and bringing that kingdom to others. As you finish this podcast, ask yourself three questions. Number one, what does Mark chapter one tell me about what God is like? What does Mark chapter one tell me about what God is like? Number two, what did I see or read or hear in Mark chapter 1 that was for me as a follower of Jesus or someone who is thinking about following Jesus? What did I hear or read that was for me? And number three, what did I learn that is for the people I love and serve? What did I learn that is for the people I love and serve? So that's Mark chapter 1. Next week, we're going to do Mark chapter 2. God bless.